Hi everybody, uh, John Langan here, and I'm coming to talk to you for just a couple of minutes about my dear friend, Laird Barron. Uh, Patrick and Brennan have graciously agreed, uh, actually to have invited me really, uh, onto their, their podcast just for a minute so I can talk to you about Laird. I know a lot of you are concerned about him and want to know what's going on and, and what you can do. Uh, Laird's been very sick, as, as some of you know, for the last three months, and it finally got to the point that he went to the emergency room the other night. I went with him along with his, his partner, Jessica. He was admitted. Um, he's in a hospital room right now, getting excellent care, and he, he is very sick. He has There are a lot of different things going on with him. Um, Laird's a very private guy, and so I don't feel at liberty to discuss all of them. Um, I can tell you that he's getting the, the, the conditions he's afflicted with are treatable, and he's getting treatment for them, and he's improving. But there are some things that immediately need to be taken care of, and then there are some things that are going to require longer-term treatment. This is, uh, it's a big deal. And thank God that he went to the emergency room and didn't let it go any, any longer. The big wrinkle in all of this is that Laird doesn't have health insurance and supports himself purely through his writing. If you know the American health system, you know that not having insurance is really bad. Um, and it's one thing not to have insurance and to get somewhat sick when you're 20. Uh, it's another thing when you're no longer 20. Uh, none of us are as young as we, as we used to be. So we're working um, to do a number of things. One is to help to defray the medical costs that, that Laird has already incurred. Also to have an eye towards the medical costs that he's going to incur. Ultimately, we would like to get him set up with some kind of health insurance. Um, it would be great if moving ahead, he was covered. Uh, and the, so the costs for the, the future treatments that he needs will be provided for. Um, a number of you have contacted me and said, what can I do? I'd love to, I'd love to contribute money. What can I? So Mike Davis um, and myself set up uh, a GoFundMe uh, for Laird. I say myself, but really Mike did all the work uh, and, uh, and he deserves full credit for that. Uh, the response right now at uh, 10.02 uh, in the evening, my time, Eastern Standard Time, has been astonishing. Uh, people have been amazingly generous and people have given... There, there has been no donation too small. People have given $5. People have given a lot more than $5. But you know what? It, every little penny counts because it's going towards helping out Laird and, and helping him in this situation. And not just the money, but the expressions of support that people have, have put out there for Laird, the expressions of gratitude for his work, they're really heartwarming. He's still a little out of it at times, so it's difficult to, to read everything to him. Um, so I've just been, you know, when I go to visit him, I've been passing along, hey, this person says that, the, you know. Um, and, uh, and, you know, obviously he's, he's quite moved by that. So, you know, I guess what I would say is, is thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for, for your tremendous generosity uh, when it comes to the Kickstarter. Uh, if you find it within your means and your inclination to, to continue to contribute to it, that's terrific. At the very least, if you could continue, if you could spread the word, continue to share news of the of the Kickstarter, that would be terrific. Um, we're going to get through Laird. Uh, we're, gonna, we're going to get Laird through this. Uh, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some persistence. It's going to take some grit. Um, 
but Laird has persistence is great. He's the stubbornest person I know, which is part of the reason that we're here. But we're gonna use that, we're gonna turn that around and use that for good. And we're gonna get him better and he's gonna continue. He has some really exciting projects like sort of in process for the next year. And um, those are gonna come out and there's gonna be more, he's gonna do more stuff as, as well. So um, thanks so much, love, gratitude, thanks to, to everybody. Um, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll continue to update on Twitter as, uh, as I know things and social media, you know, in general, as, as I learn things, but, uh, thanks again for, for all your help and for all your good wishes and support for Laird and, uh, uh, hang in there and, and thanks to Patrick and even Brennan for, uh, lending their, their support to this and, and letting me come on here. Chance, I had to say, you're nice now, but you're kind of a bastard for having beautiful hair on top of a beautiful beard. <laughs> it's not right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, think about it. Like, I have been losing this for like 15 years, man. <laughs> I I am a little surprised that, you know, you had the opportunity to add a third member to the team and you chose somebody with hair. <laughs> Fuck you, Brennan. <laughs> Erica, you haven't said a word. I just want to say it's okay to talk. You're very, uh, of everyone we have on, you're definitely <clears throat> the most shy. Shy. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I know I've said this before, but I'm so paranoid of like interrupting somebody. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get like, I literally Boo. start sweating when I interrupt somebody. I'm like, oh, awful. It's so, it's so hard on Zoom. It's really, Ryan, why won't timing. you talk? <laughs> I'm done. Sorry. Um, I'm sweating now, and I know we're just like making fun, but I'm like, <laughs> oh, good job, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I have to play with my hair now because of what Pat said. Well, it's just gorgeous. We call that rubbing it in. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Dead Headspace. This is the best of season three, where we focus on last year's uh, episodes, but we also are mainly going to talk about the books we enjoyed and perhaps a few other bonus pieces of content. Uh, my name is Patrick R. McDonough, joined by my host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, everybody. My other host, Erica Robbins. Say hello, Erica. Hello. And we're here with two people that listeners should be familiar with. Chance Forshe, the, uh, well, you take it away. You say it better than me. Uh, I am the curator of horror, Chance Forshe. I'm also the host of the Terrifying Tomes of Terror podcast. Uh, I am a bookseller by day and I guess a bookseller by night because of the podcast. So hello, glad to be back. And a writer um, who will eventually be on the show for yes, book. yes. I, I leave that part out that they'll actually have something to show people. But yeah, yeah. I'm really doing it as accountability so we can have you on next year or whenever. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Brian McCauley, we also have you on, sir. And you are the author of Curse of the Reaper, which better say we all loved it. Um, so say hello. Hello and thank you. So happy to be back. I'm going to pass the baton on to you Brennan it sounds like you have the reins we were talking before we started recording um so take us away sir actually real quick before we jump into like talking about you know favorite books and stuff um I want to take a minute just to you know it, it would be weird if we didn't at least acknowledge that hey we just recorded like a year's worth of episodes and I'll bet somebody like the producer of the show 
probably even knows how many episodes we recorded. Uh, I just know it was a lot. Um, but it was a really excellent season. I mean, we ever since that first season where we were just kind of figuring it out as we went along, we recorded like seven or eight episodes before we even realized, Hey, we should probably plan what we're going to ask the first guest. Um, the idea has just been to get, you know, people who we are excited to talk to people who we are excited to promote. Um, and just people who we love to read and who we want more people to, I just used the word people about 13 times. Authors who we are excited to read and who we want every, you know, listener out there to take the time and check out their books. Uh, one of my favorite episodes from last season that I want to throw out there was uh, the episode we recorded with Grady Hendrix, mm -hmm. where we focused a lot on his book, How to Sell a Haunted House. Um, which is about to come out, I think. I don't think it's out yet, but... No, uh, the 17th. Brilliant. And the reason, I think the biggest reason I love that, obviously, Grady is a pleasure to talk to, and he's so knowledgeable about the genre and so warm. But uh, we also had Cynthia Palayo on that episode, and the dynamic between... It almost sounds arrogant to say this, but the dynamic between the four of us, I just... That was a special conversation and it just was so natural, so organic. And there was so much like great information and interesting stuff just kind of floating around. So that's the episode I kind of want to throw out as one of my highlights of season three. And uh, Patrick, I'm going to throw it back to you because I feel like if I throw it to Erica right now, she, I, I want to give Erica a minute to think. <laughs> So you want me to tell you what my favorite episode was? Yeah, or just something that you really stuck out to you about the last season. Um, well, we finally it took us like you know a little over two years to kind of figure out our stride, like you were saying. But one that I really enjoyed was um, Tanana Redu because she's um, she's man, it, I really get like cautious when. I'm thinking of saying this person stands out from the rest because it feels like it's a shot at everyone else. That's not the case. But Tananarif do, she's just a lot different um, in the sense of her background of, you know, being an advocate for, um, you know, civil rights. Uh, she's a professor at UCLA for uh, black history or not black history, black, uh, black movies, like our movies. I probably fucked that up big time. Um, anyways, Tananarive is just she's she's wonderful. She's um someone that I can see ending up running uh directing her own feature, like she was talking about with us. Um another one was Charles Ardai. He's the founder and editor of uh, Hard Case Crime. And I just think that he's doing something really, really special. Um talked to him about when he had Stephen King uh do a the first book and then Two and then the third book with him. Uh, we talked about uh, Five Decembers, which is my favorite book that I read this year. Um, it, it's hard to, I know we were going to talk about this, but it's like one of those things when someone asks you a question that you know off the top of your head and then your mind goes blank, um, even though I was prepared for it, that's that's the very best answer I can get give you at this time. All right. Erica, you got you got uh, to join us a fair bit this year. Um, so, I mean, whether it was an episode that you were part of, I've got one in mind if you don't throw it out, uh, or just an episode that you listened to, was there anything that kind of jumped out to you? 
Yeah, I actually, you probably saw me like looking all over my computer screen because I was trying to find my notes because I started taking notes on um, the episodes that made me laugh really hard this year. And I think that's like historically over the past three years, what I've been really drawn to is just how much you guys truly make me laugh when I'm listening to the episodes. Um, So my first one was episode 135 with Nico Bell and I'm going to butcher names, Rowan Hill. Rowan? Okay, cool. Um, so there there was a part where something happened and I didn't take good notes, to be fair. I put down the timestamps, but... You have an episode number. You're ahead of the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I mean, for sure. <laughs> I tried. But if anyone wants to go back, it's minute uh, 3303 to 3325. But something happened and then somebody said, Pat, cut this out, which I was assuming was Brennan. And then Pat, you put in hold music. And then you came right back into it and Brendan was just like still talking and I laughed so hard. I had to play that like six times in a row because I was trying to figure out like what was actually happening. Yeah, I just laughed like crazy. Um, There was another one I wrote down that was more like of a a general comment. I love so much when Pat says say hello, whoever's name and they say hello and their name. That makes (laughs) me laugh every time. And I know that's like so overdone, but I love it. So please. It it never gets old. No. Never gets old for Chuck Palahniuk and Joe. It gets old for you, though. <laughs> I've done it like twice in, a, in 180 episodes. I'm not um, very good at making fun of people. Sorry, Erica, sorry. Did, you so get, did you get cut off by Baldy? Oh, no worries. No oh. worries. <laughs> um, and my third one was episode 162, Brennan, your episode. Um, again, something happened that I didn't take notes on. But then Tyler just like very calmly was like, start there. Start the show there. And I had to hold back tears when he said that I was dying. So yeah, just thank you guys for making me laugh. All of 2022 was another rough year and the laughter was much needed. That's actually, I'm glad. I'm sorry, Brendan. I really didn't to cut you off. Um, That is why I started doing that in the intro instead of the outro. Uh, Because we did it. I started doing it in the outro, but then I said, why not put the content that's not in the main body in the beginning? Because it doesn't make sense to keep it there and it might make people laugh, um, which is a good reminder. That's how a lot of us horror folks are. Um, that's why I love the genre so much. And Brendan's answer your question, 55 episodes. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, Erica, the one I had in mind uh, that I, I thought you might bring up, you were a little bit more generous by, you know, talking about your experience as a listener rather than a host. But um it was the episode we did with Amakatsu. Um, I I was so pleased that you agreed to come on uh, and do that one. I felt like you you know you blazed through her books and you brought a lot of like very very insightful questions to the table. So that that was another one that kind of stuck out to me. Um, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but I do you know since we did have both of you on here and I know you do regularly listen. Uh, Chance, is there anything you remember from the last year that you'd like to point out uh, that we did poorly or well on a scale of <laughs> one to ten? <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't know that I want to use like the one to ten scale, but uh, I will also bring up the Grady Hendrix episode with Cena. That episode was very special. It was very well done. Um, anytime to have Cena on the show, it's an instant tune in for me. Um, she's one of my very favorite people in the world. Uh, she's one of the best Halloween people that we have. Um, so yeah, that, that episode was a ton of fun, and she asks my. Uh, stupid question about why horror people are so hot. 
So I'm, I'm, I'll, <laughs> that's a very special episode for me. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, the episode you did with uh, Lore Gislison, mm-hmm. uh, that episode I really, really enjoyed. Um, just, I, I know that was, I think, their first ever podcast appearance. Yeah, that was, that was really neat. They're going to, if they keep at it, they're going to be pretty pretty popular it sells like crazy in my store that cover's amazing yeah. do you yeah. think about think about that cover and think about just two off the top of my head and eric larock is um uh things have gotten worse since we yeah. last spoke and um doesn't for i mean for you guys doesn't kind of like remind you of like how our books kind of used to be because there was a period i don't know when it was i'm not gonna act like an expert but i'm pretty sure it was like maybe in the 90s when and into the odds when they um, didn't they purposely marketed them to not look like horror books to appease the like general public or general readership? But I think those two books that we just mentioned by Laura and Eric, <laughs> I would argue Eric, they're still doing that now with a lot of mainstream books. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Eric sold over thirty five thousand copies, mm. and a lot of it probably was at first the cover. Oh, definitely. I mean, as as I, I think the only like boots on the ground bookseller in this group, uh, yeah, uh, covers sell books. Yeah. Um, but Darklit Press, uh, which Lore is through, much uh, like Brennan's Noose, um, there's some badass covers <laughs> in that group uh, yeah. that all all move really really well. Brian, I'm gonna throw the same question to you. Yeah, I mean. Y'all have hit on some of the ones I had on my list, um, but I have more. <laughs> um, yeah, the Tananari do one really hit me, especially as someone who, you know, I, I teach at a university and hearing somebody taking that sort of academic approach to like make horror legitimate in that institution is just so thrilling and inspiring. Um, and uh, I love the Amakatsu episode. It was just yeah, so on point, um, especially with Erica's questions, it just felt like it, you guys got so much out of that conversation. Um, the one I will point to is kind of a two-parter because you had an episode with Casey and Joe Lansdale. Um, yeah. And I, I believe this is how it un- unfolded, is that they were on for an episode. And in that, y'all started talking about Karen Lansdale and how she founded, helped found the HWA. And it was this kind of story that I, among many other people, had not heard before. Um, And there was talk of like, that should be recognized more in that episode. And then a later episode, the Meet the Lansdales episode, which was the whole family, uh, there was talk of like, hey, we kind of followed up on that. And now there's going to be a a Karen Lansdale Award at StokerCon. And it was because of that episode and that conversation that was started you know, on the podcast. And it was so cool as a listener to hear hear that conversation start, to feel that fire burning with everybody being like, yeah, why don't more people know this? Why is that recognition not happening? And then to see the immediate impact in a future episode was so great. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, Casey was actually drafting up a, a petition, I guess would be the best word, for that award to happen. And uh, I took a look at it to... Uh, you know, she asked me to take a look at it to like um just give my thoughts on it. And uh I did. <laughs> and and then she emailed me a little bit later and said that's happening. So I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so for those that didn't listen, um one of the chapter heads, I forget who it was of the HWA, 
heard that. And then just like a lot of cool things in the world, uh, it passed through, you know, um, word of mouth. Um, it, it's a big organization and the founder should be recognized for that. It, it just, I didn't get it. I did not, I did not understand it for a, a few years ago. I had no idea Joe was even involved in that, but the last few years we got really close with Joe and, um, that's why I like having people like them on there. Personally, I'm not speaking for anyone else. They are my favorite guests to have on the ones that have done it for decades because they, there were no podcasts back then. And a lot of them, um, they're not Stephen King, meaning they're not on a bunch of, you can't search interviews with most of them on, uh, you know, whatever TV shows, radio stations or what have you. So a lot of the, the history, it's probably not written. It's not known. So, so I like talking to those folks the most. You get to learn a lot. Well, it's Love good that. that we, I mean, the the new president of HWA, John Edward Lawson, is mm. one who has his ear to the ground Yeah, he's, he's in terms guy. of, you know, what's what's going on in the community, what people are talking about, what people are saying. Um, so I, I think the, the HWA is in very, very good hands with John. I agree. So I, I, I also I want to throw out super quickly that I don't know if I made it clear at the beginning. I don't think I said it, but the reason that, you know, I ask everybody, give me a moment, you know, something that you remember that you like from the last season. And we hit a bunch of them, which is cool, um, is because we do always hear from people who check out this episode because we <laughs> there's a fair few people out there that just love listening to people talk about books like, yeah, you know, you want to learn more about an individual author, but sometimes you just want to hear people chat horror. So these like best of episodes always get some people who tune in for this one, but don't catch every single episode. And I like to kind of point out like, if you're looking for spots to hit and you're not going to do all 55, here are some, you know, places to start and maybe, you know, we catch your interest and you, you keep going from there. Uh, there are actually two moments I'm not going to elaborate on, on on them, but I do want to throw out. Um, Brian, you mentioned the episode with the Lansdales. I want to throw out the one where they came back with Dave and Morell because that was that was just kind of one of those. We're talking to the guy who wrote Rambo, who thought you know That's beginning a of season one three years ago, First Blood, um, but who created the character of Rambo. Um, who thought three years ago when we started this show, oh yeah, we'll definitely get the guy who wrote First Blood on here. Like, it's a <laughs> right. no brainer, no brainer, obviously. Yeah. Um, the other one that I loved um, is we did an episode for Ronald Kelly when he released his memoir, uh, Southern Fried and Horrified. And I'm going to completely oh, I miss that. put this on Patrick. Yeah, uh, Patrick spent months and emails and follow-ups and poking people and in order to collect this tribute for Ron and being able to air this like five minute video of all these people in the horror industry, not just community, but industry, um, saying how much his work has meant to them and how important, you know, he is to the genre and watching him react to that video. Oh man, that might be my, one of my favorite moments of the year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Patrick, like seriously, you know, I pick on you. I literally called you Baldy 10 minutes ago, but that was, <laughs> that was such a big thing. And, you know, I like it to be known that, yes, we do this podcast together. Yes, we interviewed Ron together. 
but man, the, the legwork on putting that tribute together, that was you. Um, and I think it's important that people know that. So I'm going to take us 53 episodes. It was 55, two minutes ago. What happened to the other two? There are two hidden ones. I just checked it out. They're deleted. Uh, it's probably a upload that I fucked up on. Gotcha. All right. Uh, all right. So uh, like I said, the other reason that people tune into this episode is they just like people that they kind of know, even if it's just in an online sense, talk about books. So guys, let's, let's talk about some fucking books. Um, (laughs) chance. Throw out one of your favorites from the last year, and it can be, you know, if it was published in the last year, if it's, you know, something that oh, you stumbled know what upon he's gonna that pick. was. <laughs> you know, everyone's just grinning at me because they know what the fuck my answer is. Just just go ahead and get it over with. Just yeah, tell yeah, us about yeah. Clay. How much you love that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Ghost Eaters, obviously, by Clay McLeod Chapman, uh, was my number one book of 2022. Uh, uh, I mean, I was, I was, I, I was on the show with Clay for an, on your show with Clay, um, to talk about it. It's and, the only thing that made sense. Yeah. I love, and I still get tagged. Like here we are in January and people are still like, they see a shirt with mushrooms on it and they'll be like at curator of horror at Clay McLeod Chapman. Look what <laughs> I found. And it's like, <laughs> I'll take all that credit. Sure. Why that's, not? That's really cool. Um, but I mean, a lovely book about a haunted drug, pop a pill, see the dead, but then the dead see you. But it really is about grief and addiction and the links that we would go to see the people we had lost. Uh, but yeah. it resonated very deeply with me because the, the protagonist, Aaron, her college boyfriend, Silas, uh, who was an addict and a very charismatic leader, overdoses and dies. And I had in college a very good friend named Silas, who was a charismatic leader, and he was an addict who overdosed and died. Um, so, so it was so crazy. It was a very, very personal story for me. Um, but then I yelled about it so much online <laughs> that uh, Quirk, uh, who published Ghost Eaters, actually sent Clay to my store. Uh, to do a signing uh, because I wouldn't shut up. And then the very next week I was in Richmond, Virginia with Brian McCauley um, and Clay McLeod Chapman. And like, I got to go to the cemetery that the book starts in with Clay. Um, So yeah, it's a very, very special piece for me. Um, I got a tattoo from it. Um, Yeah. So yeah, like I was going to start with anything else. Of course, Ghost Eaters is my answer. Of course not. And Clay is such a nice, genuine human being. Like I, yeah, I got to meet him at, uh, and and I believe Erica did too, at uh, Merrimack Valley uh, Book Festival oh, yeah. in October. And just you know, what a what a sweetheart. Um, and of course, I had to get a signed copy of of Ghost Eaters. I really just sure. didn't have a choice. But um, yeah. <laughs> and they just announced today, as we record this, Quirk announced a two book deal. Uh, with Clay. Yeah, it's awesome. So he's and got two more books coming roof. through Quirk. Yeah. Yep. And they those those will, you know, those are instantly just after the success, after the year that the dude has had, uh, those are instant, you know, most anticipated reads on a whole lot of lists, you know, all throughout the genre, all throughout the community. Uh Erica, I'm gonna throw one to you. All right. Yeah. Um I'm like sitting here thinking, I don't know if I brought my book back to Clay to have him sign it. So I'm going to have to check after this episode. I know I panicked when I was going to ask him to take a photo and I did not get a photo with him. So <laughs> I need to meet him again. 
Um, so for my list, per usual, I have my spreadsheet and I'm going to try to pick authors depending on what you guys say. So we try to get like as many mentions as possible. But I just wanted to start off by saying I read 48 books last year that I gave nice. five stars and 32 of those were published in 2022. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I've got a massive list. Um, but my first one is Cool S by Die Booth. And I don't know how to describe the symbol, but it's a cool S. It's that thing Everybody we all knows drew the cool in middle S, school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were everywhere. So he reached out to me and said, like, you know, hey, you read my story in, and I'm totally blanking, but he was in an anthology. And then he just sent me this book. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And I went into it completely dark. And it was incredible. Um, it's really about obsession. And this woman gets just totally obsessed with drawing this cool S. And it's not just that she's drawing it. Weird things are happening. And they keep getting weirder and weirder and weirder. So for a while, and again, I can't remember the name for it, but there's like a actual term. When you think of something, you start seeing it everywhere. I started seeing those cool S's absolutely everywhere. I was in Nashville and I saw a metal grate on the side of a building that had a bunch of them in it. And I know it wasn't like actually what that was, but the design looked like it. And then my friend posted a picture of his daughter doing chalk in their driveway. And there was one of those S's. So I was freaking out and I've been tagging die left and right in posts, kind of like the mushroom thing. And I'm just like mm -hmm. everywhere. So I feel like I can't, not that I forgot the story at all but like I can't even slightly let it go because I keep seeing those every time I almost forget and then I'm immediately brought back into what he did in his book so that's my first pick it's like the number 23 syndrome <laughs> yeah 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 I've heard, no I know there's a term for it but I, I can't call it to mind either yeah it's probably something really hard to pronounce anyway so I'd probably <laughs> it, but <laughs> oh sorry buddy <laughs> all right Brian I'm throwing it to you all right I have to go with the, you know, I don't, I don't usually do like ordered top of the year list, but I can absolutely identify for myself that my favorite read of the year was uh, A Child Alone with Strangers by Philip Fricasse. Um, Fucking banger of a book. Oh yeah. my God. It, uh, it floored me. And I, I, I don't usually go in for longer novels and this one's almost 600 pages. <laughs> yeah, um, it's chunky. And from the first chapter, I mean, I knew I was going to enjoy it because I, I love Philip's writing, um, but I had no idea how how much this thing was going to pull me in to the extent that like whenever I wasn't reading it, I was actively worried for the child. Like it is, yeah. it, it pulled, it, it connects you so emotionally um, and the way that he deftly maneuvers amongst all these different characters and humanizes all of them. Uh, and makes it all feel so real while mashing in every possible subgenre you could ask for mm -hmm. in a horror novel. Like, I don't even want to name the subgenres because I don't want to spoil anything, but it's just fantastic. And just for the folks who don't know, the, the basic premise is a young boy who's who's kidnapped uh, and kept at a remote house uh, where something else lurks. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's just outstanding. The writing is, is phenomenal. I actively wept multiple times in the book um i heard a term today for the first time i was listening to uh the she wore black podcast mm -hmm. um and agatha was interviewing johnny compton about his new book spite house and he was referencing a term that someone had told him called heartbreak horror 
Uh, and I love that. And that absolutely is my, my go-to subgenre is just like, I just want to be emotionally devastated. Um, <laughs> and a child alone with strangers did that in spades on top of some of just the most gruesome or like physical violence. It's, it's a wild ride and definitely recommend it. Very cool. Yeah. Um, what struck me about that book is it, it, a lot of like the blurbs and stuff draw comparisons to, oh, it'll remind you of old school King, old school McCammon. And it definitely, you know, catches those vibes. But it's if you read a 600 page King book, you're going to have flashbacks. You're going to have side tangents mm -hmm. and you're going to have other things that make it be 600 pages. Um, and this is just more or less a straight ride and it's it's uh, again 500 and whatever pages of pure momentum it never lets up and that's that's what got me because there's not a lot of people who can write an engrossing 600 page book that just goes you know full barrels straight ahead um it, it yeah really 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 cool book patrick i'm throwing it to you oh what Ooh. <laughs> I had to unmute myself. Um, oh, come on, it's blurring. Censored. This is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Lewd? <laughs> okay. Uh, this is just a joke, right? <laughs> right fuck it. I'm not going to show you the cover, okay? I decided myself, not my computer. <laughs> Audio listeners, the, uh, the computer's blurring my book. So it's Don't Know Tough by Eli Craner. Um, the reason why that's one of my favorites from last year and in general, in general, um, it's because it shows uh, it, it shows a different kind of. It's a story about fatherhood, but not that not just it's not focused just on that protagonist. Um, it's not focused just on who's a head coach in the South, which down there, that's just like one of the greatest things you can be. And I don't say that in a mocking tone, um, but the other protagonist is, uh, he's a kid. He's got a really tough and fucked up life. Um, but it's in general, I think it embodies fatherhood, what it should be, what love is. Um, and I'm drawn to mostly, um, you know, parent and child relationships and stories. That's mainly what I write about. Um, not even on purpose. That's just what it ends up being. It's basically Pixar for an R-rated, you know, audience. But uh, it's it's a wonderful story, and it's really heart wrenching. And it's one where I don't go to Brennan often to say like, "You got to fucking read this." This and uh, Five Decembers are probably the two books where I've said you need to read these books because they're actually like. This is a book that I want my boy to read when he's older. If I had a daughter, like it, it doesn't just apply to, you know, son or, or whatever. It could be uh, a mom uh, or, you know, a daughter too. It just embodies love and what a parent should do for a child. It also shows what they shouldn't do. Um, so that's mine. And um, unlike uh, Five Decembers, which I really am going to read, you know, eventually, uh, it's James Kestrel. Yes, right? it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I did read Don't Know Tough. And yeah, 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 you hit the nail on the head about a lot of it. Um, what I, uh, one thing I like about it is the accessibility, accessibility is not the right word, but it's written so simply, but without losing any depth. Um, and I, 
I always love a story that can do that, that doesn't, you know, need to tell you it's a great story that basically lets you just kind of like go through three to five word sentences and hits you over the head with humanity. Um, yeah, that's a good choice, man. And we are going to have Eli Craner on as a guest host in a couple of weeks. In, oh, in a cool. week, I believe. Next episode yep. with Jordan Harper. Yep, he with Jordan Harper. Um, awesome. I just said that. First one I want to bring up is I didn't order. I didn't put anything in order because that's that's I did that one year and I'm still stressed about it. It was like three years ago. Um, I want to talk about uh, Tyler Jones, Burn the Plans. Uh, oh, yeah. And yes. Tyler is somebody who, you know, uh, I kind of knew online a little bit, interacted with him a little bit. He was a fan of the show. He had reached out to Patrick and I and asked if uh, we would be interested in reading Criterium. I devoured it. I loved it. And he's, you know, become somebody that I talk to almost every day now. Um, and when he released this in February, I was really excited to get my hands on it. But there's always like that feeling like, oh, I hope I like it because this is somebody I really dig. And I mean, I can count like short story collections where I like every story on one hand. And this is, you know, one of them. And a lot of that is down to the variety and not just in terms of subgenre or, um, you know, experimentation, but it's it's voice. It It almost feels like you're simultaneously reading uh, a different author in every story, and yet they all have the heart. And Tyler has this way of writing that is somehow poetic, but also very direct. Like, there's beauty in his sentences, but you never get to the end of it and say, what the fuck did I just read? Like, that doesn't mean anything. Right. Um and, you know, there's a couple stories. I mean, there's, there's a, like I said, every story in there is really excellent. Um, he worked with Cemetery Gates, did a great job on the presentation. There's illustrations in there. And there's two stories in there that I would highlight. One is Trigger, and it's a coming-of-age story and one of the absolute better, you know, novelette-length coming-of-age stories I've ever read. And then the closer is one called uh, Full Fathom 5, which has a whole lot to say about creativity and being an artist. Um, and, you know, the whole thing is worth the read, but those two stories especially really stick out to me. And with that, I'm going to throw it back to Chance. Um, I, I also really loved that book. Um I thought it was great. It's one I wish I could carry at my store. Uh, Barnes and Noble is so fucking fickle uh, about yeah. what they'll let me carry. And I will say before I get into my second book that one of the greatest things about me being curator and, and working with all these different authors and publishers is how I'm making changes in the industry. Uh, I was just talking to Richard Chismar and Richard is changing the discount strategy for all cemetery dance books so that Barnes and Nobles across the country can carry them. Dude, that's awesome. Um, Good but, job, man. And, and then Hell Raw yeah. Dog Screaming Press is doing the same thing uh, for Wasp and the Ice Cream by Tim McGregor. Mm. Like, I, my personal one on one relationships with these people is changing how everyone can get these books. And yeah, it's it's something I'm very grateful for. Uh, but it's also super exciting for everyone who's into horror because now 
dependent upon the management system at your local Barnes and Noble, you might be able to go get a cemetery dance book at Barnes and Noble. Like that's super fucking cool. And let's pause and I'm piggybacking off of what you just said. Let's yes. pause on that because um I like I told you, Chance, I'm pretty sure it was privately. I don't think I said it on an episode, but you're one thing that instantly attracted me to you, like I said, I the first time I, I, I Brennan told me about your podcast. Was it the hair? Yeah, it was on a long drive coming home, and uh, I listened to the first episode you posted, and 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 then getting to know you, like you do, um, something that I love in people is is the ones that actually make change um, for the better are the ones that uh, get to know people. And I heard this really good um, this really good uh, example of how to make change in your communities. You can't start up a store in a town and expect, you know, if you're a mom and pop store or whatever, mm. in most instances, like you can't expect to um, flourish if you don't emerge and embrace the community that you're surrounded by. And you do that and you do it very well. So um, I, I this is just my, uh, my, my way of saying to our listeners to check out your show because um if they like what we do you're the same tone you're saying we're cut from the same cloth yeah so um yeah you don't you don't, you don't like taking compliments a whole lot i don't really either um because I, I that's why i shut the fuck up when like brendan was saying that stuff because <laughs> i i don't know how to receive it um i'm, I'm getting better at it um but you like to give more praise, and I'm like that yes. too. I- I'm exactly like that too. So yeah, um, I'd, I'd much rather heap compliments on another person than get one myself. That that is absolutely true. Uh, but now that I'm like I'm two events in as being a guest at a convention or an event, and it's like I wouldn't be there if I wasn't doing something cool. So <laughs> you know, I- I'm there. Okay, but uh, anyway, going into number two. Uh, I'm kind of just reversing my my list <laughs> that I put out uh, at the end of last year, but All the White Spaces by Allie Wilkes. Uh, this came out in March of 2022 um, in the U.S. It is historical horror. It is Antarctic horror. Uh, it is queer horror. Uh, young Jonathan Morgan, uh, who is trans, though, I mean, that terminology didn't exist back then, but... Uh, both of their brothers are killed in World War One, and they were going to do this Antarctic expedition. So Jonathan teams up with the brother's best friend, Harry, uh, to do this expedition, sneaks on board as the spare, and uh, heads down south. Uh, but once they make it to the ice, they discover something there that's not going to let them leave. Uh, it is cosmic. It is bone-chilling, uh, both figuratively and literally. Um, it is one of the best books I have read in a long time. And I think the audiobook version of it might be even better than the written version. Um, Scott Turner Schofield uh, does 21 different characters in that audio. And they all are different like nationalities. So they all have different accents. It is a fucking feat uh, <laughs> that one should be impressed by. That's impre- um, that is impressive. And I, I had the pleasure of chatting with them last night and 
they did a couple of the voices while we were talking and I was just the biggest fanboy. Like they would they would do like a bit of the voice and I was like, ah <laughs> like Lucille from Arrested Development. Just he said it. <laughs> Gene. A hundred percent what I was like. It was it was it was amazing. But that book is absolutely incredible. It just came out in paperback this week as we record this in the United States. So if you were hesitant about it because of the price point on the hardcover, uh, now you can get yourself a paperback for over $10 less. Um, get the audiobook. So, or pick up the audiobook and listen to Scott's dulcet tones uh, tell you this beautiful story. Um, but yeah, All the White Spaces by Allie Wilkes. That's a hell of a bitch. Yeah, and I did pick up the paperback, and I'm going to be honest, it's because you have, you know, been promoting the hell out of that book, you know, for the last 10 months or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, it it works. It works, you know, never. (laughs) I don't think you need anybody to tell you that what you do sells books. So, Uh, Erica. Yeah. I'm going to spit that out. The book? No, no, no. I just took a sip of coffee and he said that and you're like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'm a bookseller. (laughs) This is what I do. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My next one. um, Another story about obsession. So I have a theme already, um, but it's Your Mind by Summer Cannon. And it's really a story about like jealousy and possessiveness and just like going all out for control in one way or another and of course it's summer canon so she has a beautiful witchy theme that comes in um talking about how you related to your book chance um mm-hmm. one i related to in like a very dark way but not like as tight of an alignment but there's like a very nice guy he seems like at first and you're like oh my gosh this is cool but then you start seeing all these red flags and then he gets really abusive, not to the point that I've experienced, because like this is fiction and summer can take it way darker, but <laughs> that whole like step from like being totally innocent and not knowing and being young. I should clarify the character was young and I went through this when I was younger. Um, and like not seeing the red flags or like not admitting to yourself that you're seeing the red flags before it's all of a sudden really bad and you're kind of don't know how to get out of it. I related to that a lot. So when I was reading this book, again, even though it goes like in the witchy vibes and gets really crazy, it felt like very therapeutic to read through that. So that's something that I really love in horror. And it's not quite the heartbreak horror, but it's for me, it was very close because I've done a lot of work in therapy to really work on like excusing or not excusing but like forgiving my younger self for not getting out of situations like that sooner because I didn't know any better and the book just hit so hard and then it got absolutely wild and so I went through like this whole range of emotions where I was like oh my gosh this is is this too much for me am I okay and then I was like yeah I'm okay and this is really cool so outside of how much I related to it personally it's just an absolutely wild story and I found myself thinking about that story from time to time. And at first I read it kind of back to back with a lot of different witch themed books. So I was so nervous that I was getting them mixed up. So I actually picked it up again to read back through it. And I was like, no, literally every time I've been thinking about witch themes, it's been this book. So that one really, really stuck with me this year. And I'm, you know, I can't remember exactly when I read it, but 
it's been at least six months and I'm still thinking about it like almost weekly. So I just thought that. I, I mean, yeah, that's the sign of a hell of a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That I, I hear like nothing but good things about them. And uh, that's through French Press. Everybody mm-hmm. should check out French Press's releases and buy, you know, two to three copies of every release they put out. <laughs> not for selfish reasons at all. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. No. Um, Brian is next. Brian, go ahead. Yes. I'm taking notes. I've got my damn t- <laughs> TBRs. Um, oh, dude! So, I mean, you know me. I do the tell me your tome at the end of every episode, and oh yeah, you're just Jesus Christ! My TPR <laughs> is going to collapse and kill me. Uh, I've made headways over fine. the holidays, but now it's it's creeping up as new releases are coming in, and I'm like, that'd be an appropriate um, way for a bookseller to die. I I, yeah. I have no problem with it. If that's how go. I go, that's how I go. Yeah, yeah. better than <laughs> my death. The guy that works in wastewater. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna, yeah, end up in the terrifying tomes of terror tomb, right? That's <laughs> yep. Idea. Terrifying tomes um, of terror. Here we go. Um, oh, God, all so right. Smelly. So my next, my next book, um, you know, kind of, kind of going off of what Brennan was talking about with Tyler Jones's collection. Uh, I'm going off. Of, I'm do, doing a single author collection, and this is "We Are Here to Hurt Each Other" by Paula yes. D. Ash. from uh the publisher's nictating books um and this is one uh, you know i had seen the cover and heard some things and uh then uh sadie hartman mother horror did a big post about it and i finally was like all right i'm gonna get the ebook um and sometimes things just kind of perish on my kindle and i forget that i have them but i was stuck on a flight that was that situation where you're you board the flight and then it gets delayed so we were on the tarmac for hours so I like pulled out my Kindle. I was like, oh, let me give this book a shot and just like fell down the rabbit hole until the end. And it was a horrifying experience. And I loved it uh, from the very first story. The first story, I think, is only one or two pages. But by the end of that story, you really know like, oh, you're in for something. You're about to go on a journey here. Dude, um, Paula is just incredible. So such a wonderful, you know, I only know her through t- Twitter, but um, love her presence there. And this book, um, you know, I, th- I think a, like a single author collection for me, like the goal is, as Brendan was saying, like to have every story feel like a different story and a different style, but all clearly coming from the same voice that is kind of announcing itself, like here this person is. And for me, this collection just really knocked it out of the park in that regard. Just like, yeah, Paul, Paula D. Ash is here. We can't wait to see what the next stories that come from Paula are. Um, but in the meantime, if, if folks have not checked this one out, we are here to, here to hurt each other. Uh, it's a doozy. Dude, I'm talking to Paula next week, and I mm-hmm. am like, yeah, I am so excited about it. Yes. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, no, I hear nothing but good things about that. And it's sitting on the shelf right over there. And it's not even that thick. And I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm going hey, to prioritize that. I get it. Like, it's, I've got art. <laughs> yeah, I've got art. Like, what you all see, uh, to use the term, it's a very curated view of my <laughs> office. Uh, but below the camera line, it is chaos. You don't uh, even have a chair. You're just sitting on a pile yeah, of Yeah, I'm arcs. sitting on books. That's, that's... <laughs> We're seeing the tip of the iceberg. 
Yeah, yeah it, it, it is. It is. And just here, right here, like where my hand is, that this is the stack of books on my desk is how high up they are. Do you have a kitty uh, house made of books? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's unreal the amount that I have to go through, but it's, hey, it's, this is the lot I have chosen in life. It's so. a labor of love. Yep. Exactly. Patrick. So my next one is Dark Stars. Um, mm. Yeah, I love it. It's an anthology edited by uh, John uh, F.D. Taff. And just uh, a few people that are in it is Josh Mellerman, Almakatsu, Ramsey Campbell. Um, I'm actually going to pick and choose a few other ones. Oh, I just had it. Olivia Llewellyn was another one. Um, mm-hmm. That's a tongue twister. And, uh, oh, God, I don't want to say his name. I'm going to fuck it up. How do you say? Fuck it up. All Fuck right. it up. Uh, Usman T. Malik. Nope, got it right. That's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's a few of the authors, but it's really good. It is really a snapshot of um, contemporary horror. The artists, uh, a diverse range, not just by walk of life, but by content. Um, Omakatsu wrote one of my favorite stories in it. It's, it's, um, it feels like it's a got the brutality and romanticized idea of a vampire but it, it's pretty fucking brutal and she just it's alma who is one of my favorite hist- uh historic fiction writers yes and then you just threw in like her background from her uh job in the um agency uh, her her uh, background as a Japanese American woman. Um, I don't know. It's just it. it it's got to come from the way she writes. It's just got to come from a place of obviously of her experience in life. But she's super unique, and that's one of my favorite stories. And but yeah, it's it's an anthology that I read last year that um that has been such an imprint on me. Um. That's not the reason why, but me and Taff have become pretty close over the last couple of years. And uh, he's kind of like, a, I don't want to say mentor, but he's someone that he's someone I look up to as an anthologist because that's I'm starting my career with that. So kind of a selfish reason, but also for people that like horror, it's, it's something that like the general public can consume and say, what else is there for horror? So I, I think it's not only a good gateway, but it's also a good representation. And I, and I think, you know, one thing that I know you think about it, so I'm going to kind of finish your thought for you is. I think it's hard. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a scary place in there. Um, but <laughs> it is, this is one of those anthologies that, you know, uh, as, as fun as like themed anthologies are, and you might get one that has a lot of great authors and a lot of, you know, uh, interesting stories and you really enjoy it. it might even be like a four or five star read. But this one um it just feels like this a snapshot of the moment and it feels like that kind of like silver screams or uh book of the dead or you know the one that it kind of modeled itself after dark forces where it, it's not an anthology that's going to be like hey that was one of the better ones in 2022 it's going to be an anthology people are still reading in five years in 10 years uh for a look at what horror was doing in the early 2020s and what some of the, you know, uh, some of the big names doing cool things and some of the up and coming names, you know, what they were doing earlier in their career. Um, that, that's kind of how I felt about it. 
Sorry. It's worth repeating that Ramsey was in Dark Forces as well as yes, Dark Stars. Time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One I want to throw out is The Cursed Among Us by John Durgan. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And what I really dig, like, all right, so the, the book itself is really great. And it's one of those you read and it's, you almost have to double check that this is a debut novel because it's very, very well plotted. It's uh, engaging, you know, for the entire runtime. It's got great characters. It's got a great, it's got, it, it works on just about every level. Hmm. And beyond that, almost just as laudable is John's ability to push it because this is a self-published book from an author who, you know, only started writing like maybe 18 months ago and the numbers that he's putting up on, you know, Goodreads and Amazon, it's, it's, it's impressive. You know, you, you, you got authors that um, are working with like a, a, a big press that aren't, aren't doing quite that. So his ability to kind of sell his own work impresses the hell out of me, but also the fact that the dude can back it up and he can really write. Cause I had the uh, honor of being able to blurb his follow-up book, which is called inside the devil's nest. It's out this month, actually. Um, and, you know, you it, he's not a one-trick pony. You know, he wrote a different book in a different, you know, subgenre of horror, and it's just as engaging. Uh, he really knows how to turn up the tension uh, when, when he needs to. That's something that uh, I know Erica can attest to. But uh, really, really cool book. Really nice guy. Very, very well deserving of the success that he's had with this debut self-published book. And I think he's definitely going to be a name that we're going to hear a lot of in the next couple of years. I am going to throw it back to chance. Hey, before you do that, plug his podcast. Oh, John's. It is called livid comics. I think. Sorry for throwing it to you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You plug plug his podcast. (laughs) Yeah. It's something along those lines because he's got the comics that are yeah. also very amazing. If you guys haven't yeah. checked those out, um, Call me Crusaders. that's the one. Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, yes. So John is a podcaster in in addition to being an author. So now that's out there. Uh, thank you, Patrick. Truly appreciated. Uh, chance. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even trying to set you up, man. Um, okay, so the next one I'm gonna bring up is actually someone who is the it's the opener of your of your next season, uh, Rachel Harrison. Uh, She's but, awesome. But her book, Such Sharp Teeth, uh, that is that I, I ranked that as my number three book last year. Um, and it's it, I read it and loved it, and it ranked that high before I actually met Rachel, and then her and I became like best friends. So uh, the, the the us becoming best friends is just is just icing on the cake that yeah, is awesome. such sharp teeth, but it's uh, now we sell it at work. It's Hallmark horror uh, <laughs> is, is is the pitch that I use. That's an Rory, awesome term. Yeah, Rory, our protagonist, she's got the big paying job in the big city, and she's had to come back home to the small town she grew up in, take care of her pregnant twin sister reunites with the boy from high school and then she gets attacked by a werewolf 
So you get this small town slice of life story. You get the romance thread. You get the body horror, not just from Rory's transformation to werewolf, but from Scarlet, her twin sister's pregnancy. Um, and then you also get a little bit of a mystery thread. And who is this werewolf that bit her? Uh, it is hilarious. It is scary. It is uh, heartfelt and emotional. Um, I think Rachel is a very singular voice in horror fiction right now. And to say that I'm excited about Black Sheep would be a fucking understatement. Yeah. I liked how when you were, when you had Josh Urban on your show with uh, Brian, Mr. <clears throat> Brian McCauley, um, uh, man, I forgot. That was so much name. fun. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Uh, and you... Sarah Lenz. Yes, yes. I, I loved it when you uh, brought up uh, Rachel, that her and Josh have very similar. Um, tone style and uh sense of humor and i oh i, I mean yeah yeah there, yeah there was the sequence in a wounded fawn where like the women are talking about uh masturbating and and, and whatever else and uh, like it, it just out loud in public at the museum and i was like that's a rachel harrison sequence <laughs> like that's absolutely something rachel would write uh, yeah and it's funny because like she's she says it. I feel comfortable saying this because she said she said it. I'm pretty sure on the episode that uh, she's pretty shy, mm-hmm. and um, in her in her fiction, it's pretty bold um, yeah. because of how truthful it is. And I feel like people are really not. I don't know how many, but a lot of people are kind of you know um, timid to be that uh, unfiltered with their mm-hmm. own fiction. Yeah, she even all the way back to the return. You know, there there's elements of that in there, and then Bad Dolls uh, explores that. That's such a, a lot. Uh, the Veil, her Audible only uh, short story, um, amazingly. I listened to audiobooks at one point two five speed uh, because I listened to so many. Uh, mm. So, like The Veil is like a thirty seven minute listen, um, but so fucking good. There's one. There's one line in it where. Uh, the protagonist and Nathaniel, the the ghost from the past, are like kind of getting hot and heavy with the make out, and she's just like, "We're about to fuck," <laughs> and just the <laughs> delivery of the line, it is it is perfect, and yeah, it makes me very happy. So that's I always try to say like it's sex positive horror, like. It's not erotica. It's not anything like that. It never gets explicit. But mm. her characters are humans. And humans have sex and like to do so. And so she explores that with her characters. And yeah, I think Rachel's incredible. So yeah, Such Sharp Teeth would be my number three pick. But really, you should just you should go read everything and that, that Rachel has put out. And you should pre-order Black Sheep uh, out in September. I'll vouch for that. I got 100 pages into Such Sharp Teeth and then I went to the bookstore to get everything else. Uh-huh. Uh, as you know, because I was texting you. <laughs> you texted me because you were like, where is Cackle? horror section in my local Barnes & Noble. Um, yeah. Cackle is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm almost so done with Cackle. I read everything else. But See, I, I always... pitched that one as cozy horror. Like how there's cozy mysteries. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm, going, I'm going to you when, when I actually have books, man. I'm just going to be like, can you please help me? <laughs> yeah. Brand me. <laughs> brand brand me. <laughs> I, I mean, that, Hollywood horror has really stuck stuck on me thanks to Chance's branding, so what, it works. Which, I mean, what it? else would you call that, Ryan? <laughs> but to keep it on, I mean, I love all of Rachel's work, and 
every time I pick up her book, I'm done in two days because I can't put yep. it down. Um, we were but, talking about I mean, your book, Brian. I did uh, such our teeth episode. in a single. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I did, I did such our teeth in a single sitting. Holy shit! Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> dispute that. Uh, yeah, Brian. She did have some very kind words to say about your book as well. So oh, now, oh. now you have to tune in. So. <laughs> Like he wasn't like he wasn't gonna. <laughs> it's just really cool how you did like I can't get over how easy it is to fuck up writing a screenplay that is okay, so it's doing multiple multi-layer things and it's worth repeating. You're purposely writing bits of a screenplay that is campy, especially the space one. <laughs> and that's commentary with the tenth one, obviously in Jason X. But you're also paralleling it with you're doing two timelines at the same time, and you're also doing a bunch of other shit. Like what you did was, it you know it it, it was excellently written, and um, it, it's real easy to fuck up just that screenplay part because it's um you can get carried away with how silly you are, but like you just you chiseled it away, man. Like like uh you know Da Vinci. And I don't, I don't say that in a flippant way. Thank Famously you. a painter and not a sculptor, but yes. <laughs> I thought he sculpted too. Did he? No. He was a screenwriter. Chances. <laughs> am, I, am I mixing up my Ninja Turtles? <laughs> All right. You know what? Uh, fuck it. I'm actually going to take my turn a little bit early because Patrick kind of kicked us off, but uh, one of my top books of the year is Curse of the Reaper. And yes, absolutely. This, is, this is another one where I got, you know, a certain amount into it. And I said, it almost like, I, I would say it almost doesn't matter what Brian does because this is just the way it's set up and the way it reads is it, this is going to be in my top books of the year. But I think that, you know, that's an oversimplification. You know, there's a certain trust there uh, where, you know, the voice and the the style and, you know, Patrick already talked about the screenplay stuff, which is just wonderful, um, sets you up oh. to know. Yeah, it's blurry again. Um, <laughs> just stop trying. Um, it, it sets you up to know it's like this is different. This is special. And again, that's almost kind of parroting what Rachel had to say is this is this is a book that sticks out and it was it was well done. It was meticulous. And, you know, I, I I'm going to end up repeating a lot of the same stuff that I said when we had you on for your episode. But it's it's not a book I'm putting in my top books because you're on the show, man. Like, even if you couldn't make it tonight, this is one we're talking about. And it's and deservedly so. I was also Thank going you. to bring it up, so yeah, it it <laughs> it, it, it was bring it up either, man. Yeah, it was in my top ten last year, um, and I mean, Brian and I just had interactions on Twitter, like we had never met in person or anything like that, and he sent me a digital copy of it, and I devoured it <laughs> and uh, absolutely loved it. Five star Goodreads review. And then Brian was kind enough to send me one of his author copies, which is what I have in my hand. Um, beautiful inscription that I can't look at too long because it makes me emotional. And uh, yeah, um, fucking fantastic book. And I cannot wait to see what comes next from Mr. Brian. Thank you guys so much. No, it means so much to me. And y- y'all have been such fantastic supporters and from the get go. And so cool to 
have friendships blossom on Twitter into Zoom and sometimes in person. <laughs> in person! <laughs> Brian and I spent two days together. That's awesome, man. <laughs> And for whatever reason, the you know your, your the episode you did with terrifying tomes was uh, I, I I really dug that episode. But for some reason, the clearest part that comes to me is Chance in his curator voice going double penetration. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Those are the two hey, words I, that will end up on my headstone. <laughs> I'm I'm the first person to play uh, the Reaper. Yep. I am the first live yeah, yeah, action said, yeah, representation of the Reaper. So, I mean, you've got so a great, you got the gritty voice for it. Yeah, yeah. both the children of Ashland. <laughs> it's time to reap what you've sown. So good. Yeah. So, I mean, if this gets picked up for like you know the movie treatment and Chance gets recast, do we have a disaster on our hands? Oh yeah, exactly. I already I already did the meme. Uh, I did the Wandavision <laughs> meme where it was like they recast Pietro. But I was like, they recast the curator? (laughs) (laughs) Erica, you are next. Oh, cool. I wish I could have joined in with that last conversation, but I literally ordered your book after we recorded with Rachel because I got a notification saying that I didn't actually order Cackle, so I lied on the podcast. I thought I had ordered it, but it was still sitting in my cart from Gibson's. So while I was at it, I was like, ooh, well, I had Brian's book. So that's on its way to me, and I'm so excited. Thank you. I love it. You're going to love it. I lied accidentally, (laughs) and I immediately felt so bad that I... I can't remember if I texted you guys. I definitely told my husband. I was like, I lied by accident. (laughs) So you bought three more copies to make up for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's it's <laughs> funny because Rachel just texted me. So I'm just going to let her know that you lied. I'm going to go ahead and just tell oh, her. Oh, you should. <laughs> you should also add in that she's laughing maniacally about it. Cackling, if you would. Oh, my God. Cackling <laughs> about her lie. Oh, dear. <laughs> Chance, I'll, I'll tell you, though, the transformation scene, and that's all I'm saying because it is enticing if I was listening and haven't read it. The transformation scene in Cackle is just so freaking good. Like, you go to Cozy cozy horror and then she just like writes this really visceral in your face like you know the story of the witch but somehow people like her or almakatsu with the werewolf yeah just they're like hey you know that monster you're gonna meet the new version of it it's gonna scare the shit out of you that's (laughs) what rachel did there's like the line where it's like, "Is this what you see me at?" yes and it's like oh fuck 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 (laughs) Oh, it's oh, so good. That's okay. I don't have a hundred pages left in it or anything, guys. Oh, you, <laughs> you don't. We're talking about. Fine. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all good, man. <laughs> all right, Erica, go ahead. Cool. All right. So my next one, I'm just going to continue the uh, focus on hosts here. So my next one is Noose by Brennan Lafaro. Um, and we had a whole episode where we talked about this, so I won't go too too in depth. Highly recommend going back to that episode. But on that again, episodes, sorry, repeating myself a lot. We really kind of dove into how it, Brennan writes a lot of really good horror with a lot of heart. So, you know, that book went from being like super gory and disgusting almost to really, really heartfelt. And I love how you, sorry, I almost said he, but I was like, you're right here. Um, Brennan, I love how you can like flip between the two and it all blends together like so perfectly. And that's one of those books that you can absolutely sit down and just get completely immersed in and read it cover to cover and just be like, wait, what just happened? And then you really sit back and think about everything you just 
digested into your brain and it's just wild that story is just incredible i love it so much thanks yeah that was also on my list to to, to bring up because fuck yeah (laughs) that book is awesome Uh, i just restocked on it at my store yesterday uh new copies came in um so i was like hop on the train to buzzard's edge and get yourself a copy of noose um fucking incredible um when i had brendan on my show he kind of talked about the Batman of it all, um, where like each character is kind of a, a a Batman villain archetype, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> and it's so true!" And so now, like every time I think about the book, I think about like the Riddler, um, but it's more you know, it's not the Jim Carrey Riddler; it's more the Paul Dano Riddler. But... Yeah, that one that guy creeped me out. Yeah. Paul Dano's been creepy since he was like 12 years old. This is true. <laughs> oh, no. I was talking about your character um, that would be the Riddler. He... But played by Paul Dano. Okay. Fair of course. Course. <laughs> yeah, until, until he gets replaced in the reboot. Um, <laughs> this, the... Don't piss off Paul Dano. He's scared yeah. <laughs> that, the, But that episode of Terrifying Tomes with Brendan LaFaro was the one that, that totally sold me on news. Like, it was another one of those. You know how it, sometimes, like, a book is, like, it's there, you're thinking about it, you're like, I think I want to read it, and then something just is the tipping point, and it was hearing, hearing you talk uh, about it on that show that I was like, this sounds so great, and, yeah, I read it so quickly because it's just so immersive and the sort of the the way that it builds with the multiple villains up to the big bad of it all just felt it was such a fun ride and the voice was just so so crisp and authentic i feel like sometimes western can be doesn't feel as authentic Mm -hmm. but your voice in it just felt like totally natural and real and as as eric was saying it blended so well with the other genres of of horror and just like character drama and Yeah, you know what it kind of reminded me of, and it's not something that I've brought up before, but as we're talking about it now, uh, Snowpiercer, Uh, where you know you go through each train car, so that's like each villain, you know, until you make it to the final one. But then the final one's kind of not that powerful, (laughs) as it turns out. Uh, But that's it's it's a very similar road for the story. Uh, of Snowpiercer, so I, 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 I just kind of came to me as we were talking about it now, but I was like, yeah, that's pretty similar. Like, you got to go through all this bullshit, and you make it to the finale, and then you're just like, oh, this guy, really? This is the guy. That, that but I even feel like your <laughs> original metaphor of like it's a, it's a video game. <laughs> yeah, um, like that's not something I, I considered, but like it's, it's an absolutely an apt metaphor. So yeah um so i will throw out that um the sequel is underway it's about yes. five thousand words in uh there is some more batman type fun but i mm. can't really elaborate on that without sure. spoilers so i won't um yeah that should be with us about a year from now hell yes you know there's a spot waiting for you on terrifying tomes when it comes out i will take it all right um brian is it my turn? It is your turn. I Tell us your tone, Brian. Was not prepared. Oh, on this is give... horror. <laughs> <laughs> we we um, are just mixing shows here, man. It doesn't no. matter. Lines are blurred already. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put out 
a uh, a nonfiction book that uh, that came out this year that I read and loved uh, called "Refuse to Be Done" by Matt Bell. Um, mm-hmm. I believe the subtitle is something along the lines of like how to get to a finished book in three drafts or something. But it's really just a great kind of companion to the writing process. That there are a few just really great gems in it that I took away, and I'm, I love writing books about writing. It just is comforting to me and. I take something away from every everyone that I've ever picked up. Um, but the one the one little tidbit that really jumped out at me, I remember, was just about kind of finding finding answers and finding the story within the story itself, which mm. I, I was talking before we started recording about my process being that kind of iterative of like, get a draft down and then just keep going over it and expanding and going deeper. Um, that is a process that I find is really exciting because I think so much of writing is an unconscious process. And part of it is just mm. consciously picking up onto what you've unconsciously already done and bringing it to the forefront. Um, so that to me is what this book, again, it's called Refuse to be Done by Matt Bell. And he is a, he's a speculative fiction writer himself, um, really hones in on about kind of going through these three different drafts with different intentions. Uh, so yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one, but I'm kind of with you where I always have a book on writing going. Um, I I comfort you say comforting. Um, I don't know that I would pick that word, but it's also right. Um, And one of the big things I feel like you need to be able to learn as a writer is how to wade through an on writing book and I mean, the, the, the end goal is to take what you need and leave what you don't. And it's pretty rare that you go through a non-writing book and there's nothing you can, you know, there's nothing new under the sun there. Um, but it, it almost feels like if you relegate yourself to a chapter a day that you can learn just a little bit about what you've kind of set your, um, you know, whether it's your full-time job or your part-time job, what you've kind of, you know, set your craft to. Um, and, you know, I'm going to kind of tangentially throw this out because I won't have time to get to it. But uh, David Morell's The Successful Novelist was one of my favorites that I read that this year. Mm-hmm. And that's an older one. Uh, and there's some stuff on publishing that's outdated. But the stuff on actually writing, on what to do about writer's block, on how to develop a story, on theme, on characterization and dialogue, like it's just it's ageless and it's gold. And it's one of those books that rather than I read it because David was coming on, I think it was, I read it and then I poked Patrick and said, go get David. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, we ended up, you know, obviously having him in the Lansdales on, um, but that was to be able to read an on writing book that had all these great things that I really took away and then be able to talk to the person who wrote it about the book um, was, was a cool experience. Um so yeah. yeah, I kind of hijacked yours, Brian. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I just uh, I, I just that. ordered for myself um, on writing horror, which was edited by the Horror Writers Association. Yes, um, I, I got that, that book when I was in high school before yeah. I even knew what the HWA was, and so now like come a full circle, I'm like that was a book that started it for me. Sorry. Yeah, so I know I ordered that for myself um, because you know I've been working on some stuff and uh, I've gotten a lot of good advice from my my author friends. Um, but I, I thought having like a physical thing that I can reference in front of me, 
uh, would also help me. So yeah, I've got uh, it's at the store. It just came, I got the email today that it came in, but I am off work today, so I did not pick it up. But <laughs> uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to reading that. It's 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 only like 200 pages. It's it's pretty. Yeah, Jansen, if you're ever looking for an expansion on that, I'm sure that we can, you know, hook you up with like 20 books that will overwhelm you. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, no. There's, there's some fine. really good shit out there. I mean, the, the best piece of advice I've gotten in the last couple of days is write with white text on a white background for your first draft. And I was like, oh, my Brian God. Was horrified. <laughs> Wait, what? Like write in invisible, invisible ink? Yeah, essentially that way because I have a terrible habit of trying to edit as I write. Oh, and that way I can just write, and I'm not I I, I can't look back up and be like I hate that sentence. Uh, I'm forced to move forward. That's uh, very cool. Yeah, so that that's, that's the a, best piece of advice I've gotten in the last couple of days. I've it's literally an interesting never idea. Heard I don't that. have the willpower, but <laughs> uh, I've I've yeah. never heard that before. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I'm just way, that's way an alley too Wilkes. comfortable with writing really bad stuff. For See, I'm, like, yeah, I'm that's not, terrible. I think Let's it's because I, I read so text. much and I review all the white text. <laughs> 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 oh, that's good. No, I just I read so much and I review so much and and I, I sell so much that I don't know. I've got this weird thing in my brain where it's like my, I want my writing to be as good as the shit that I'm talking about all the time. Yeah. And it's not because it's the first draft. But Allie was like, you know, the first draft is pulling the clay out of the water and, and forming it. Um, and, and you know, then your your later drafts are actually sculpting it to what you would be. Or I think Rachel referred to it as the vomit draft. Like, just yep. get it out and you'll feel better. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's also very accurate, but I know with my brain, Allie was like, you need white text on a white background. But I was like, God damn, that's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. This is the actual advice that I need. So, yeah. yeah. Brian, I think it's funny though, that you, you know, I, I, you're, you're being kind of like, um, you know, flippant with it saying like, Oh, I'm just used to writing bad, but I, I really think allowing yourself like a quote unquote bad first draft is an acquired skill because I mean, you'll, you'll see newer writers that, you know, overwrite and need to learn to like tone it down and stuff like that. So to be able to just be like, I'm going to put this sentence down and I'll come back and I'll either, you know, if it needs to be prettier, I'll make it prettier. If it needs to lose five words, then I'll make it lose five words. But right now it, it is what it is. Um, yeah. I do think that's an acquired skill. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Which yeah. maybe you can acquire by writing with white text on a white background. <laughs> all, definitely, all the white text. Yeah, the vomit <laughs> approach has, has served me well in screenwriting and definitely translated to fiction. That's just like, yeah, get it out. Yep. Patrick, it's you. <clears throat> um, I'm going to go with Five Decembers. It is one of my favorite books ever, but uh, it's one of my favorite books I read last year. Great cover, um, too. Yeah, and it's... Um, I hope that this was announced because I can see it on Amazon, but coming soon from Titan. So it says hardcover October 26th. Wait, that's weird. Sorry, it says 2021. Why did I think that's a 2023? Okay, never mind. It says coming soon from Titan. So that's confusing. Um, well, maybe it's getting a UK release. Who knows? Hmm. But, uh, anyways, it's. Um, 
takes place during uh, December 1941 in Honolulu. Our main, uh, our main character, our, our protagonist, he's a police detective in Hawaii, Joe McGrady, and um, basically he finds this uh, murdered Japanese girl, and he ends up finding himself through a series of very misfortunate events. Uh, he finds himself in um, how part it was in Japan, and a lot of crazy shit happens. And it's you know it's a World War II book, but it's not a war book. Um, but the war is in the later part. Well, actually, it, the war is affecting both parts of the world that he's in, just in different ways I've never seen before. Um, it's a long book, but God damn it, is it good? It's one of those books where you read, where you're like, I really wish I wrote that <laughs> because it's that good. Awesome. All right. Uh, all right. So guys, we've been doing this for an hour and a half. So what I'm thinking is let's all do one more book and let's call it a night. Everybody cool with that? Yes. Excellent. All right. Um, you know what? I'm going to go first and I'll throw it to all of you. I would let, Oh my God, there's so many books around me and I can't figure out which one I want to talk about. All right. I'm going to do this one. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about oh, mother Kelly's. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Ronald Kelly's Southern Fried and Horrified. And I'm so um, excited to read that. Ron sent me a care package with like four of his books and and they were all signed and whatever and they're beautiful. And that's one of them. And I, I'm I'm very excited to read it. It's so good. And, yeah. And Ron just opened up a store and it's just so worth getting books from him because he always just he yep. always draws something <clears throat> lovely in there. I always writes you a nice note, uh, calls himself the old horror hound. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. And this, um, I, you know, had the chance to read this one early so that we could, you know, draft an episode to celebrate its release from uh, Stygian Sky Media. And it's just such a brilliant mixture of, there's a little bit of on writing, like we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of memoir and the whole thing is in Ron's, you know, extremely unique Tennessean voice yeah. um and I think that I I couldn't even guess but by the time that we had Ron on for that episode that was at least his fourth appearance maybe more and a lot of the stories that you read a lot of the childhood stories that you read in Southern Fried he'd told on the podcast before and yet the ones that were very like heartfelt and whatnot like I found myself reading them hearing these stories for the second or third time and they were impacting me just as much. And it's because of the authenticity of that voice. It's because of the lived in experience. Um, there's a whole lot in there about, you know, the struggles with zebra closing down, the questioning of should I be doing this? The, you know, battles with faith and, you know, being a horror writer, which we did an entire episode on that. And he still manages to expand on the, notion in here of you know dealing with uh being a godly person but also you know writing the things he writes um and it's just th there's not a chapter that doesn't have some nugget that is valuable to the you know burgeoning horror writer who is just on the like in the in, in the early days of their career from somebody who's seen a lot who's you know seen publishers close down and who's 
you know, seen the genres take the the genre take these like weird mm. and wild turns and can give advice to the next generation. Um, it's just it's it's one of those where you know we were talking about on writing books earlier. This is just one you can't miss. If you are a fan of horror, you should have this book on your shelf. You have no excuse. <laughs> yeah, and uh, worth noting, Stygian Sky merged their own uh presses so they're now dead sky publishing um dead sky publishing was an imprint of stygian sky but they had um a managerial changeover uh for the last i don't know a few months and um stygian sky is no longer a thing it's just a uh, dead sky publishing and underneath that umbrella is uh death's head press Mm. I'm still catching up. <laughs> I, man, I'm telling you, it's 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 difficult as a bookseller keeping up with all the different presses and imprints. I, and, yeah. Especially oh. the word the ones that have the word dark, death, or dead in the uh-huh. or, sem- or cemetery. <laughs> or yeah. Cemetery. cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> or dance. Yeah, any anything like that. Like, because I'll be like, "Oh, that's a cemetery." Dan Gates, Dan Gates, Dan Gates title. I don't know. It's one of the, it's one of the two. I uh, if it's coming into your store, it's not Gates if, or Dance, unless uh, until that's Richards. True. Yeah, uh, well, at least they're making that change. Yeah, but... until Richards' uh, updates come through. So, yep. Because you know, like I came back from lunch and people were like, "What you? How was your lunch?" And I'm like, "Oh, I was chatting with Richard Chismar. It's fine." Yeah. It's no really big deal. Cool. That guy right over there on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, chasing the boogeyman. No big deal. He co-wrote you know two books with Stephen King. It's fine. It's yep. it's it's really cool, man. Because he you know Cemetery Dance has been around um, since Ages. the late eighties. Yeah, eighties. Yeah. yeah, and and because of you, you're a direct, a direct result of of him doing that. That that's something to pat <laughs> yourself on the back, real goddamn hard. It's, it's really it's seriously awesome, man. It's fucking weird, man. My life, I don't even know what my life is anymore uh, doing doing shit like this. But, hey, I'm making the industry better for everybody, so I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, no, and we all agree on that. Uh, Erica, you have one left. What's it going to be? Uh, I have been scrolling through my spreadsheet, like, since <laughs> one more, and... I'm so conflicted. I might, when this episode goes out, I might hijack and post my list of all my favorite books because I don't leave anybody out. (laughs) Um, Oh, gosh. I think I got to go with actually a short story. Um, So the only way to get this is by subscribing to their newsletter. Um, So this is Toothworms by Laura Gislason. This story... Once you see like the cover, you're you're gonna know what you're in for. It's a giant tooth, and you can see these roots, but they are worm-looking things, and the tooth is kind of cracking, and it looks like there may be other worms, or that the tooth has teeth. I don't really know what's going on there, but it's pretty disgusting. I made this mistake of reading that and also tweeting to you guys when you were gonna interview Laura while I was sitting in the dentist's waiting room. <laughs> so <laughs> not a great idea, but Again, once you see the cover, you know exactly what kind of nightmare you're in with this story. And there's this one line where Lore writes about a tooth feeling itchy. 
And she says, like, how do you scratch a tooth? Oh my God. And that line, for some reason, just sticks in my head all the time. And now anytime I have something in my mouth where I'm like, ooh, that tooth kind of hurts. Am I getting a cavity? I'm like, is it a toothworm? And I immediately panic. So go sign up for Laura's newsletter. Read that short story. <laughs> oh my God. Don't regret it. It's so fucking gross. Maybe you will. I don't know. <laughs> I do you love had me at the well. tooth had teeth. all right patrick i'm gonna throw it to you next and leave uh brian and chance for last that's nice because i'm actually scrambling for an answer now that let's watch him scramble well all right scramble 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 (laughs) i'll go with don winslow city on fire oh good pick thanks man because i growing up in Massachusetts, like you hear a bunch about Whitey Bulgin. And um Don grew up in, in uh Rhode Island and he said that's in the eighties and he said that he, he lived with it. And um it's the first book in a trilogy. His last books actually, um, because he announced his retirement last year and he said this is it. And didn't uh, he just like get started though? <laughs> like... No, he's been writing these for he said ten years. Yeah, he's got oh. a lot of books out. Oh, as his career? Yeah. I don't know when he got started. I know it's been a while. He's got I mean, I know he didn't like make it big until recently. Yeah, he mm. didn't make it big until um man, I- I'm gonna not see say his age, but he was he was a older gentleman when he first uh I'm I mean I I remember when that came out, it hit the Barnes and Noble bestseller list. Yeah. Um, so it was a one of our thirty percent off bestseller titles. So yeah, that's that's significant numbers. Yeah, yeah. He said he wants to focus more on. Um, I went to a book signing, and um, he said that he wants to focus on just trying to make it because he does a lot of a lot of. Um, what's the right term? It's not it's not it's quite not, activism, but that's not wrong. It's not mm-hmm. that. It's not politics. He just wants to make a difference in the world, and he thinks that his efforts are better spent not writing books anymore, but to because he's a big platform that he can, um, you know, go after the politicians that are shading. To me, that's yeah. pretty much all of them. But uh, he was really <laughs> active when Trump was president, speaking yeah. out against him. Um, he speaks out and tries to hold people accountable, like the January sixth committee. Not not the committee, but like I don't know the people that alongside responsible. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really good because we all got opinions on those people, and uh, he he can actually probably push some people in the right direction. So I wish he was writing still, but whatever. Um, yeah, well, he's got two more books at least, better than none. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, so that's mine. All right, Brian. All right. Uh, for my last pick, you know, I feel like this, especially the second half of this last year, was was me discovering the novella and mm. how fucking great a form it is. Uh, and that led to me deciding that my next book was going to be a novella. Um, and I feel like the book that was like the tipping point for me was This Is Where We Talk Things Out by Caitlin Marceau. Yes. Dark Lit Press. <laughs> Um, again, another one where it was just like, I kept seeing things about it. Um, it kept coming up and that bookstagrammer who I love and who, who really liked my book was just like, you have to read this, trust me. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm do it. And man, that thing, um, yeah, it's, it's really tense. It's the premise is a, 
a young girl who's about to be married and decides to open herself up again to a mother who her mother who uh you don't really know the full story there but you know that there is bad stuff in their past um but her mother wants to take her to you know a remote snowy cabin in the canadian wilderness which what could go wrong to patch things up um yeah and it's just really tense well-written psychological manipulation uh and gaslighting and just building 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 tension um and it's a really hard to put down and and the ending is it nailed it for me um which is you know the thing that i always look out for especially with those books it's like okay it's it's building it's building but where are you going to leave me with this thing and when i got yeah. to the end of it i was like that's where you're leaving me <laughs> <laughs> don't leave me um so I yeah think- and it's it's <laughs> yeah I'm excited to see more from her and mm-hmm. she's putting out a lot of material all over the place. So yes, she it, is. It won't, it won't be hard to, to find her again, but yeah, that's Caitlin Marceau. This is where we talk things out. I think my review for that, that I, I messaged Caitlin after I finished it was my therapist will be hearing about this, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which yeah. if that's not a five-star review, I don't know what is. It's not easy to do to write that kind of, emotional abuse verbal manipulation that feels that keeps you understanding why the character kind of Mm -hmm. like the the book you were describing erica of like you understand why the character's in this position and and continuing in in this the direction of the the narrative but it it creates such profound tension and dread that it really makes the reading experience like visceral yeah I think Brendan is talking, but he's muted. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> muted. I said, uh, uh, Brian, I want to pick your brain. So, like that, this book, there's no fat on it, and I've no. definitely read similar stories that, you know, were upwards of 300 pages. So, what what's the difference there? Like, what what exactly does this one do that cuts 200 pages off the runtime and makes this story work? That's a good question. In your opinion, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, In your humble opinion. Yeah, I mean, for, you know, it to me, it really hones in on the central relationship and dynamic. Uh, and there, there is this, you know, a secondary character. I mentioned the protagonist has a partner that they're about to get married to. Um, but it really hones in on two characters, one location, keeps it tight in that regard. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's some. It's a great question, Brendan. It's one that I am literally deeply invested in understanding <laughs> as well because I just love a book that that feels like it's the right length and is not padded out. And like you were talking about with Philip's book, like it could be a six hundred page novel, but still paced like a novella in terms of just like nonstop freight train. So I, I don't know. It's an interesting question to explore, though. One, you know, what kind of made me start thinking it is you kind of prefacing the whole thing with uh, implying more than straight out saying that this is a good example of why the novella form works in horror um, is because you add another hundred pages to this and maybe it doesn't have the same resonance. Um, Yeah. I think think part of it too is timeline, right? The compressed timeline of like they're mm -hmm. away for a specific amount of time and each chapter is marked by the day and the time as well. Um, so yeah. that's another thing that I, I think helps with a shorter form, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. All right, Chance, you started us off. Take us out. 
Okay, <clears throat> so of the books I read in 2020, the last one, I mean, or 2020, 2022, um, the last one I'm going to bring up is Mary by Nat Cassidy. Uh, this book, it's uh, Nat's debut novel. Uh, it is something very, very special. Um, I often describe it when I'm trying to sell it to people as murder and menopause. Um, but it, it's it's a coming of age story, but it's not like a young girl becoming a woman. It's a woman entering menopause, entering entering her older years, and finally discovering who she truly is. Um, so you know you've got this person who works at a bookstore in New York, Mary. And she's got to move back to the desert with her cantankerous, lewd aunt. Uh, there's cults. There's serial killers. There's dolls. There's cursed basements. Like, anything that you would think a horror book should have, this has it. Uh, and I've even convinced, like, non-horror reader co-workers of mine to read this. And they fucking loved it. Uh, one of them actually, like, because they knew that I was going to Hangover with Brian. And they knew Nat was going to be there. And they're like, will you take my book and get it signed? I would love to have her sign it. And I was like, Nat is a man. And they were like, what? <laughs> like, they, they could not believe that a man had written that book because they captured, like, Nat captured that female voice, that, that female experience so well. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very, very special book. And I'm going to cheat a little bit and talk about what I, my first book of 2023 is. And that's red X by David Demchuk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll love it, man. You'll love it. I know. I, I don't know why the fuck I slept on this as long as I did, because this is a goddamn amazing book. Right. Those images too are so fucking yes. crazy. I'm glad you brought it up because I almost put it on mine too. And I read it because of this show, of course. Oh, but shit. I only read it no very kidding. recently, just like last month. And it's yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. About heartbreak he, horror. Ugh. Yeah. And David is like such a sweetheart. Well, oh, so I, I mean, say, yeah. Are you going to have him on? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week. Um, yeah. Oh, he's a great interview. You'll love it. You'll, you'll, you'll have. I, yeah. Next week. And I've got a co host. For that episode, uh, Eric LaRocca. Oh, <laughs> nice. Because uh, Eric, Eric is who suggested that I read David. So I thought it was yeah. only fitting that I invite Eric on to that. Um, because, again, weird things that I get to say in January 2023 is like, oh, yeah, me and Eric LaRocca are going to talk to David <laughs> Demchuk together. Like. <laughs> Sure, that's a normal thing that a human being gets to say. Uh, but yeah, I it's I started. I, well, I've been listening to the audio, and then I picked up the the physical book because I loved it so much. But yeah. the audio book is incredible because David himself does part of the narration. Yeah, I didn't know that. So it it goes back and forth, and there's even like one sequence where it's hopping between David and the other narrator, like paragraph by paragraph. And oh my god, it's so fucking good. Yeah, uh, I legitimately one of the best books I've read in the last like three years. So yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. I, I love it too. Um, 
Eric and David mean a lot to us as well. And yeah. uh, I, I told them this, but um, in my, I'm writing a novella right now. And there's this couple in it, and um, it's I name them David and Eric after those two. Oh, that's for him because I love this guy so much. Yeah, they're on like this. It's one. It's it's when there's this family, different people, different families, and and I have this um couple and. They there's also this dog that I named after Chuck Wendig's dog from uh from uh, Wayward uh, Gumball Gumball Yep <laughs> That's yeah I mean <clears throat> if I'm gonna write stories and and just act like it doesn't matter what's in it I'm I mean I write... had a dream once that Paul Tremblay was Eric LaRocca's dad and they were trying to sell <laughs> me a house so. <laughs> Yeah, you know great. why not you don't want to live in that house <laughs> no no absolutely not and that was kind of the that was the whole bit in the dream well okay so i know was this it is... a house or a cabin <clears throat> <laughs> no it's a house but it was the same house that i always dream about um so i've been dreaming about the oh, same shit. house for like decades um okay. and sometimes it's a house and sometimes it's apartments and sometimes it's a restaurant but it's always the exact same house it's always the exact same layout and I've never seen this house in my life, but I'm pretty sure the day that I do is the day that I die. So <laughs> there's there's a book in there. <laughs> yeah, no, there's something. Seriously, in there. probably my death. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll get the book out first. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Get the book out first. But yeah, I know this house and inside and out. I know every room. I know ever. I know exactly how it works, and I've never seen it. So yeah, that's probably not good. Holy shit! Whoa. No, it is I mean creepy. it's it's the one instance I can think of where I can say if you remove Paul Tremblay and Eric Laraca, the dream is actually more fucked up without them. <laughs> 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 They're the comfort. <laughs> yeah, 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 they, yeah. That particular one was pretty fun. Mm. Um. The rest of them are usually like stress dreams and nightmares, but that one I was like, "Oh, Paul and Paul and Eric, that's great." Well, that's properly horrifying, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chad, where, where can people follow you, sir? Uh, if you want to find me on the social medias, you can do so at uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Curator of Horror. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Chance Forshi. Um, uh, my website, Curator of Horror, is under construction, but it should be up and operational soon. Um, I've got a Patreon, <clears throat> excuse me, patreon.com slash terrifying tomes of terror. Um, and then obviously the podcast, Terrifying Tomes of Terror, is available wherever you get your podcasts. We're checking out people. Very good show. Um, Ryan, where can people follow you? Folks can find me on the social medias, mostly Instagram and Twitter right now, which is at Brian McWriter. Uh, my website is brianmcwriter.com. And you can pick up Curse the Reaper anywhere books are sold. Um, or you still have signed copies at my store. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he's not going to say it. Okay. Um, find signed copies at Chance's store in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, Erica, where can people follow you? I gotta work on my pitch here. Because last time I was like, oh, I'm pretty much everywhere. Um kind of true. Bitch. So yeah. If you guys want to just go to my website, that's probably again the best bet because I have all the social channels linked there. But I definitely spend most of my time on Twitter and I'm on Slasher. I know that was kind of a I'm also on Slasher. I like it. 
I know about that glitchy, but <clears throat> I wish that it was more like Instagram or Twitter and that we didn't have to have Ooh. friends and we could just have followers. Yeah, for um, sure. I, I feel like it, it kind of forces you to add a billion people to have any sort of interaction, but yeah, I dig the concept. Yeah, yeah, for I'm sure. I'm also on Slasher at Curator of Horror. <laughs> <laughs> Is Hive a thing still? Yeah, it doesn't work really on Android, though. Yeah. So. I deleted it because, like, it didn't seem like it was really a thing anymore. Well, okay. it, it, it went down completely for, like, a month. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Um, but, and then it came back up, and I made, like, a post, and then got zero interaction, and it was like, eh. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll go back on Twitter where I get interaction. <laughs> Brandon, where can people follow you? Well, oh I'm not allowed to do silly Jesus answers Christ. anymore. <laughs> so people can follow me at uh, Brennan LaFaro on Twitter and Instagram, BrennanLafaro.com, or probably the best place is the uh, newsletter at BrennanLafaro.substack.com. Tell us what your newsletter is called. Notes from the Falls, and it has a... Uh, no, sorry, it's postcards from the falls. Um, <laughs> for for people wondering why I fucked that up, there is a um, lovely meta moment in the third Slattery Falls book, which is due out in uh, the summer of this year, where my newsletter makes a weird meta appearance. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty no, cool. That was a lot of fun. Stephen King in it. I dig it. Yeah. Well, we're not, yeah, we're not quite doing the uh, three kings showing up on the bridge or anything like that, but... Uh, uh, yeah, though, no, there's a little bit of, um, you know, I talked earlier about being able to read David Morell's book and, you know, talk to him about it. But one of his big things in there is David Morell is not a huge fan of first person writing. And I am a huge fan of first person writing. And one thing I took away from his book was justifying why this, why this story needs to be told in first person. Um, and why now? Um, and there's a little bit in the third Slattery Falls book that really brings everything full circle. Thank, thankfully, I set it up in the first two books without knowing it, um, but justifies why why the whole thing exists. Um, and I can credit David Morrell with making me think about, well, I should probably justify why this whole thing exists. Uh, but yes, the newsletter is called Postcards from the Falls. It comes with a lovely graphic that Ronald Kelly made for me so that I could wow. have a competent-looking newsletter. Okay, people can follow me at PR McDonough. That's um, Twitter. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Just Twitter. TikTok, which I run the TikTok and Instagram. You can follow those for the show, Dead Headspace. There's variations on the username. And also Twitter. I'm pretty sure I just said that, but what the fuck? Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. Um, let's do final thoughts, and then uh, then I'll do the outro. So we'll start with you, Chance. Final thoughts. Uh, you guys had a banger of the season. Uh, for season three, you had some amazing guests. Um, I'm deeply, deeply grateful for both you, Pat, and you, Brennan, um, and your show. Um, there's a lot of terrifying tomes that wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you all and your support. 
Um, I never would have gotten Paul Tremblay if it wasn't for you. Um, so I, I, I am grateful and I will continue to stand beside you all and defend you <laughs> on uh, social media <laughs> as, as required. Uh, I have zero regrets about that. Uh, yeah, you're the fucking man for that. I, I'm giving you a hug even before that, but now I'm giving you two hugs. But you all are you all are doing an incredible thing here with this show. Um, you're raising people up. You're giving people a platform to talk about their work. Uh, again, you're know, talking about lore, uh, the very first podcast appearance for them, um, as well as having absolute legends. So. Yeah, anyone who wants to shit talk your show can go fuck themselves. Um, and if they have a problem with that, they can, they can come find me at Curator of Horror on Twitter. Uh, no, I think you guys are incredible. Uh, I think what you're doing is incredible, and I cannot wait to see what season four is going to bring for you all. I'm very yeah. excited. Thanks, man. Um, wow. Uh, Brian, go ahead. Brennan, I don't even know if you were leading the show, but I just got lost in my chance with saying. No, you're good. Okay. Cool. So I just have to follow that up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, really everything Chance said, and as you as you guys know, I've been listening for a long time and I, I learned so much from the show. And uh, you know, in addition to just learning as a writer and a reader, the sense of community that you build on the show is what I love most. Um, and to to be tapped into that sense of camaraderie and to to uh, have had a chance to be on the show has been really wonderful and to connect with you guys. Um, it's been a hell of a season. Really looking forward to the next season. Uh, it looks like you've got quite quite the lineup coming. Um, and hope we get to hang in person soon, too. Yeah, Thank you for having me. StokerCon, StokerCon, StokerCon. I can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish. I, I want right, to go. Well, to Brian, I'll see you there. I want to go, man. Seriously, I, I can't afford it. Uh, Eric, why don't you why don't you go ahead? I had something <laughs> that I wanted to say, and now I can't remember because I was. We'll pause. We'll pause real quick and think about it. I wanted to say, Brian, before I forgot, mentioned it when you were on, but it's really cool how you heard about us because, like, um, like we've had Philip Fricassi on, but. Again, we don't know how to gauge it. I'm still trying to figure that out as a producer. And maybe there's a much obvious way that I just don't know yet. But it's hard to know unless people tell you. And for the first year or two, we really didn't know. And we're only just starting to know as of last year because we hear from people um, that we didn't know prior that aren't in, like, the right-in circles. Um, so to hear how you've talked to Phil Fricassi who mentioned us over coffee in LA. That just sounds fucking cool for starters. I wish I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was uh, a Eric, Starbucks, so it wasn't that cool. Uh, I like Starbucks, but <laughs> well, I just have to ruin it, man. But wait, I, I want to segue to Erica to say oh, we gotta do a big congratulations to Erica. Yeah. Joining the team. And as a listener, I'm very familiar with her and her voice yes. and her contributions. So it's really rad. Welcome. Such a sweetheart, too. Yeah, so this is your, what, your second official episode? Yeah. Yeah. As as, as host? Amazing. Amazing. We're yeah, thrilled to have somebody who writes down their questions. <laughs> yeah. 
That's why. Why do you think I bring on co-hosts for certain episodes? <laughs> I'm not writing shit down. I fully expect Brian and Allie and whomever else <laughs> to have questions prepared. <laughs> yeah, thank you. This has been absolutely wild. I still I t- texted Pat and Brennan a couple weeks ago, but I was like, I still don't really feel like this is real because <laughs> mm-hmm. obviously I started out as a fan of the show and just like raved yeah. about the first few episodes because I thought it was so cool. I just love the format and how open and friendly it is. So to actually be joining in is absolutely wild. I know when it was announced, I saw all the authors that I had interviewed on the show, like reach out and be like, oh, this is so cool. And I'm just like, oh my yeah. God, I got to talk to you. That's wild. And like Chance and Brian meeting you guys is really cool because I've seen you on Twitter and, you know, kind of engage with you guys there. But I, we yeah. talked, obviously, in person. So it's very nice to meet you virtually. This was a lot Absolutely. Likewise. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It, like, likewise. This It's super cool. I cannot wait to see what this new season of Dead Headspace is going to be like with you, with Pat and Brennan. Um, you bring a, a much needed uh, curve to it. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited. Yes. Yeah, we never even thought we were gonna have a third member. Um, I'm the only one we're doing it by myself and you all have three. So yeah, like <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm the one who needs somebody to join me. Who knows? <laughs> That'd be cool. Brian. <laughs> we already had the, the curatress, uh, on my episode making an appearance. <laughs> yeah, I remember true. that. Yeah. Your wife's such a. She sounds like such a sweetheart. Yeah, we we had my wife sit in for a moment to to recast me uh, in, in that episode. <laughs> no, I, Brian did such a great job with Josh and Sarah that I even told my wife afterwards, "I'm like, I might just give Brian an episode or two this season and give me Aww. a week off." <laughs> <laughs> Happy to give you if you need any breaks. We we always support each other taking rests in this community. Yeah, yeah, like, hey, you know what? This might be a Brian McCauley episode, and I can, uh, <laughs> I'll still be there on the Zoom call and recording it, but I'll just be in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, why don't you go ahead, buddy? You know, I kind of want to piggyback on what Chance said. Um, I, I think there's a lot of talk, and um, I hate the way I phrased it. Not a lot of talk, but but we 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 all we always say that. It's important to, you know, other writers are not your competition that, um, you know, there's enough room at the table for everybody and Mm -hmm. the stories they have to tell. And, you know, more appropriate to what we're doing right now, there's enough uh, space for these other podcasts. Um, Chance can get on people who have January releases that we can't fit in because, you know, we're scheduling four to five episodes in January. And there's 143 releases. Sure. Um, and I just, I, I like to, I like to think that people know that that's not all talk that like, it's, oh, sure. Chance there's, there's room at the table for you. Fuck that guy. Um, no, it's, it, you know, we, we believe that, you know, there's things that people can talk about on your podcast that we might not get to there's guests that you're going to book in that we just don't have time for there's there's guests that we're going to book in that you just straight up there's not enough hours in the day um and to be able to kind of share our wrap-up of season three and be able you know for you to kind of share those legitimate moments like look my podcast is its own thing it's you know terrifying tomes has taken off your 
you know, getting the cool people, you are talking about the cool books, you are selling the cool books. And for you to even take that time to be like, hey, you know, this wouldn't have happened if I didn't listen to your show. There is that mutual respect. And, you know, we we love you to death. Um, And, you know, Brian, we (laughs) love you to death. And we respect the hell out of you as a writer, as a human being. And, you know, we're happy to and as a fan. Um, so when we started talking about, you know, who are we going to have on to talk about our favorite books of the last year, our favorite episodes, the last year, you know, obviously even before she was a member of the team, Erica was a given, uh, Mm. she's been on all of the recap episodes. Uh, but you two were as close to a no brainer as, as you can get. Um, there was, there was not a third name thrown out. It was you two or bust. Um, so we're very pleased to have had you join us tonight. Uh, and thank you for hanging out on a Thursday with us. I, my absolute pleasure and honor, truly. I'll, I'll be on this show as many times as you ask me to be on it. Get that oh. ska book done. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yes. I'm working on Come it. Back. <laughs> I'll cover tomes while you write. That shit. You know what, Brian? Let me take you up on that. My final thoughts are piggybacking on all you guys. Um, We probably, I don't know if we wouldn't have had Brian on last year. I'm sure he would have come on our radar eventually, but like we can say the same about uh, our show with you, Chance. So that's really cool. Um, It still feels like we're the new guy. I don't know if Brian, I don't know if I'm speaking for Brian, but I'm going to pretend I'm speaking on his behalf. Still you know what? I, I can I can tell you, and and I, I I hope this doesn't sound horrible, but we wouldn't have. Um, and nothing against Brian, of course, but we saw Brian's book blow up, and we were excited to have him on there. But we were booked all through December, and we had a last minute spot open up. We heard Chance's episode, and we said we've got to get Brian, uh, and that's how his episode happened. So you're absolutely right. It 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 actually does tie in. Oh, yeah, thanks, y'all. I forgot about that. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, My I heart. don't. <laughs> I just think that um, um, you know, the cliches about like love and you know the saying of uh, rising up together and all that—it's all true. Um, there's always going to be people that are jerks in a large amount of uh, when there's a large amount of people, there's going to be some jerks, but. Just don't, don't bite. Just keep being yourselves, you know. And you all do that. I love all of you, and um, I'm glad we're all talking today. And it's really cool. We're we're like, this is ourselves at our our happiest moments, you know. Like, sure, like we are our partners or whatever. They are two or children or whatever. But like, this is what we're choosing to do after all yeah. working or whatever for the day. Um, so obviously, this is what we want to do, and. It's really cool when you find people that have the same interests as you and you genuinely like them uh, and enjoy their company. So, yeah, we're going to have you guys on a lot more. Um, I'm here for it. Love it. <laughs> Love you guys. And I can't wait for more um, terrifying tomes of terror. And, uh, <laughs> no. bitch, I'm booked through like October. So, yeah, there's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Save that Christmas special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
I wish I had a fucking day for my anthology. Is going you back to the whole. Hey, I, I I leave a little wiggle room every month Ooh. in case I need to add somebody in at the last. That's smart. Minute. That's really smart. I fucked myself that way. We should learn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't leave a lot of wiggle room, room but I can usually <laughs> sneak. Bit. I can sneak like a interview or two, and post everything I'm booked for. So yeah, because I do. I can. I can do two releases, uh, like two Friday releases a month. So yeah, every sure. Tuesday, and then like I can do Fridays every other Friday. So you know, right. I, I can. I can squeak things in. Squeak. <laughs> yeah. The next episode is 184. That is with uh, the author of Don't Know Tough, Eli Craner. He's a guest host with, um, we're focusing on Jordan Harper. He is the author of She Rides Shotgun, but uh, we're going to be focusing on uh, Everybody Knows. It just came out January 10th, 2023. Um, I'm almost done with it. Very good book. Um, she Rides Shotgun, for me, if, if you haven't read Jordan before, he is absolutely worth reading um, and starting off with She Rides Shotgun. It's just, again, it's another parent-child book, but still, it's mm-hmm. it's it's so different. I mean, that those yeah. are the characters, but like, it, it's so fucking crazy. It's an insane like adrenaline rush for pretty much the entire book. Um, it, it's just, it's full of action. It's full of heart. Um, and the little girl in it is just uh the best. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many words I want to say, but yeah, she's the best. Um and I'll end there. Uh, I don't want to be the one that ends I don't want the last say, I'll just say my outro at the end. But does anyone want any final final words or noises, or should I just wrap it up? Uh Rachel Harrison says hello to everybody. I'll say that. Hi, Rachel. We all heart you. You are such a sweetheart and can't wait for Black Sheep. Yeah, you should um, pay attention to that one, uh, whoever's listening to this. Black Sheep, is it's an enticing book. Um, I don't even know what it's about, honestly. All I know is... It's still enticing because it's got ra- it's going to be written in Rachel's yeah. voice. Yeah, so I was say. what she's told me about it um is that she was tired of people saying that cackle and such are teeth were not horror yeah so she was going to show them the fucking horror this doesn't make any sense obviously wow. uh, so <laughs> this one she described the comps she gave me were hereditary meets barbarian oh that's good i'm in yeah and i was like I was in, in my life. veins yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna end on that note yeah rachel harrison is gonna show us what real horror is and as always, you have many I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Thank you for choosing us. You know, you get a better line to read at the end and you fucking do it. I, did, I literally just did. Howdy, folks. This is the old horror hound, Ronald Kelly, inviting you to head on over and visit my new online bookstore, RK Horror. There you'll find everything that's southern fried and horrified. Books like Fear, Undertaker's Moon, Blood Kin, and The Saga of Dead Eye. Story collections like The Essential Six Stuff, After the Burn, The Halloween Store, and Season's Creepings, as well as artwork and apparel. And remember, 
Every book you buy comes with a personalized inscription and hand-drawn RK artwork on the title page, free of charge. So if you have a hankering for some spine-tingling horror south of the Mason-Dixon line, just go to rkhorror.bigcartel.com. Thank you, and many happy nightmares, y'all.